Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel of John, chapter number five. And I want to read here a familiar setting of scripture, beginning with verse one. John, chapter number five, in verse one. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4, if an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Somebody say that's a long time. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been Now a long time in that case, he saith to him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man, or the impotent man, answered him, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, or while I am trying, another steppeth down before me. Somebody beats me to it. Every time. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. On the same day was the Sabbath. On the same day was the Sabbath. The Bible said in verse 5, And a certain man was there. The Bible says in verse 3 that there lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. But it says in verse 5, a certain man was there. And I just want to preach by the Lord's help for the next little while upon this subject, one in a multitude, one in a multitude. We need the Lord's help here in the remainder of this service. Would you pray with me that God would have his way? How many wants him to have his way in your life tonight? You want him to speak to you. You need help from the Lord. Why don't you stretch forth your hands again and let's pray together. Jesus, we are asking you to help us this evening. I'm praying, God, that you'd bless this church, these fine people, this family of God. I pray, Lord, you'd speak to them. Each one of them here has various needs that they know that you are able to supply in their life and I'm praying God that your word would touch upon them tonight each of them in Jesus name we thank you for it 
In the name of the Lord, would you give praise to the Lord and give thanks to the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's really love him from our hearts tonight. Thank you, God. I love you so much. I love you so much. Amen. Thank you for standing. And you may be seated one in a multitude. There is a multitude of hurting people that the Bible describes here in this scriptural setting that I read to you from tonight. People that have gathered around this certain pool the outskirts of Jerusalem that has five porches by the name of Bethesda. And so the Bible tells us that there are various needs among this multitude. There are some that are halt. There's some that are blind. There are some that perhaps have diseases that uh, are situations that they had suffered with for a long time, and that were no doubt terminal, and it did not look good, the long-term prognosis. If they did not receive a healing, if they did not get an answer soon, they would pass away actually waiting on these porches for a miracle. There was a great multitude, the Bible says, yet there is only one that receives a miracle. And that really isn't all that unusual according to the Word of God. We find this scenario many times in the Scripture. Luke chapter 4, verses 25 through 27 says, But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the day of Elias, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. So it describes many widows that were in the land of Israel. But there was only one that received a miracle. It talks about many lepers that was in the land during that time. But there was only one that was cleansed. One among the multitude that received a miracle from God. Crowds are a very powerful thing. We, we know something about crowds. We understand the dynamics of a crowd and the influence of a crowd. And people tend to be carried by a crowd. People tend to get caught up in a crowd. Matter of fact, some of the darkest blotches on our nation's history is known as the lynch mobs. Many of you have probably seen the photos and the pictures from that time in our history where people committed terrible acts of violence. And many times simply because they feared going against the crowd. They got caught up in the crowd. Protest movements depend many times upon what is called a mob mentality. This is where people get together and and pretty soon there is a wave of emotion, a frenzy as it were that takes place. 
And the crowd takes upon its own thoughts and its own mentality. And it does things that not one individual would do by themselves. We know that sports arenas, many times, a crowd has a huge impact upon the win or the loss of a certain team. There is what is known as home field advantage or home court advantage. What does that mean? That means when the crowd gets involved, that that crowd is so powerful that it can have an impact upon the opposing team, the visiting team that has come to that arena. Maybe while the man is standing shooting a free throw shot, there is a crowd behind him that's waving their hands, shouting, they're tossing things in the air, anything that they can do to distract, anything that they can do to try to make an impact upon that game. And many times they are successful. I, I Again, I, I don't use or even know that much about uh, sports, but uh, I do know that there is what is called with the uh, A&M University, what is called the 12th man. What is that? The 12th man is the audience. The 12th man is the person or persons in the stadium, the crowd. And they depend upon the 12th man to help them in the game. And even in Bible times, we see the influence of a crowd. We see the impact that a crowd can make at the crucifixion and the events leading up to it. The scripture tells us that a crowd actually got into a frenzy. There was a mob mentality that was taking place. As people began to chant, crucify him, crucify him. Bear in mind, these were people that they themselves had been ministered to by the Lord. Many of them had received the words of the Lord. They had heard his wonderful teaching. They had been they had been strengthened. They had been touched. They had been moved upon by his ministry. Yet in the crowd, and because of their fear to go against the crowd, they cried, crucify him. These were people that just days earlier were waving palm branches in the street and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. These were those folks that had just a while before had been worshiping the Messiah, but now they are chanting with a blood-curling voice, crucify him, crucify him. So we know that crowds are very influential. Crowds are magnetic. Crowds even create greater crowds many times. How many has ever seen the flashing lights of police cars and fire trucks and ambulances and and a crowd starts gathering, and before you know it, more people are pulling off to the side of the road to see and get a part of the action. But God's word warns us against getting caught up in a crowd. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 2 says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. However, people feel comfortable. People feel secure. They feel strength in a crowd. A crowd is a security blanket for them. After all, if everybody else is doing it, and if everybody else is getting away with it, and everybody else is involved, then it must be 
okay. But thankfully, God's blessings are not determined by how big the crowd is. Thankfully, God's blessings is not determined by your associations. Thankfully, God's blessings is not, is not uh, uh, based upon your last name or your pedigree. It's not based upon what family you belong to or your social standing or economic level or whatever group that defines you. Because Acts chapter 10 and verse 34 says, God is no respecter of persons. That's a tremendous promise from the word of God. That God is no respecter of persons. That means that every promise in this book that I preach out of tonight is as for you as it is for anybody else. That means that everything that this word says that you can have, you can have. Everything that this word says that you are, you can be. Everything that this word proclaims, you can stand upon it. You can be steadfast in it. And you can know that God can bring it to pass. Because God is not a respecter of persons. God doesn't have favorites. God doesn't pick people out. God doesn't have someone that he favors above another. God doesn't have someone that he says that I like better than I like the other person. Amen. But everybody has an equal opportunity at the cross. Everybody has equal rights when it comes to the altar. Everybody can find God. Everybody can be blessed of God. Everybody can experience God. Every church can experience revival. Every church can be blessed. Every church can grow. Every church can flourish. Amen. 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 We ought to clap our hands again if we really believe that. We understand that association necessarily doesn't bring the blessing. We understand that just being a part of a group doesn't bring the blessing upon my life. Just because I belong or I say that I'm a part of a particular group, denomination, or even church does not guarantee the blessings of God upon me. I can say, well, I belong to the Pentecostal church. That, and as Brother Ballesteros said, and I, I know that he probably needs to up it a little bit because I think inflation's got the best of his analogy. But that and about five bucks will get you a Starbucks coffee belonging to the Pentecostal church. Amen. Because Pentecost is not, it's not just a denomination. It's not just a title that we bear. But it's an experience that we have. We got the Holy Ghost. Amen. Pentecost is a experience called the Holy Ghost that came on the day of Pentecost and that's what we identify with and because we had that experience uh, that's what gives us the label of being Pentecostal but I don't receive the blessing just because I say it uh, I've got to have that experience uh, in order to possess it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. But what is the qualifying? What, what is that thing that sets people apart? It's what we decide. It's the choice that we make. 
It's the determination of our heart. Even though God is not a respect of persons, he singles out people continually to bless according to their desire. Amen. It's not based upon anything else. It's not based upon their last name. It's not based upon the color of their skin. It's not based upon their economic level. It's not based upon where they came from or what side of the tracks that they live upon. But it's based upon the desire of their heart. Because how many times have you read in the Word of God that Jesus said to those that were in need, so be it unto you according to what? Your last name. The title that you have, the position that you hold, how much money you got in your pocket, no, be it unto you according to your faith. It's faith that sets you apart. It's faith that separates you. It's faith that brings you out above the crowd. It's faith that God is looking for even in this house tonight. And that's something that we decide whether or not we're going to exercise our faith. And exercising our faith is more than just coming and crossing our arms. Because just as our evangelist said over the last few weeks, if you believe something, it causes you to act upon it. And that's not just for salvation, but that's also for the prayers that you've been praying and the things that you've been asking God for and the things that you desire in your heart. If you really believe that God is able, then you'll do just what the choir sang about tonight. You won't wait till the battle's over to praise him but you'll go ahead and shout now. You'll do just what they sing about tonight. You won't wait till the victory comes, but you'll go ahead and praise him now. That's what faith really does. Come on, let's worship him like we really mean it tonight. Why? Why is it that there are certain ones that seem like Stand out out of everybody that has a need. Everybody that's there in the multitude that has a situation that they need God's intervention in. And there's one that is healed. Why is that? There was something within that individual that God was attracted to. Yes, I can see that the Bible does say that it rains upon the just and the unjust. But after all those seasonal situations are over and have come and gone, God is looking for that individual that still has room in their heart for him to move. For the Bible said in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. His eyes are looking always. This ought to excite somebody tonight. If nothing else thrills you, if nothing else gets, gets your heart to leap into gear, this ought to cause something to lurch on the inside of you to understand that God's eyes are constantly looking to and fro in the earth. That's what the Bible said. He's looking for somebody to bless. He's looking for somebody to work for. He's looking for somebody to help. He's looking for somebody to heal. He's looking for a church to give revival to. 
He said, I want to show myself strong. I want to show my people that I can work for them. I'm looking for somebody. I'm scouring the earth looking for some saint of God that came to church on a Sunday night in November with a heart full of faith that said, God, if you're looking for one, here I am. I want to be used by you. Praise God. Amen. Why is God's eye scouring the earth? Why is he looking for something? Amen. Why? Why is it that his eyes are going to and fro even in this sanctuary tonight? Because he's looking for something specific. He's looking for that individual that he can bless. That individual that has the courage to step out of the crowd that is willing to abandon the masses, that's willing to break the line. Amen. A person who has uncommon faith. That's what he's looking for. The gospel of Luke 18 and 8, I'll tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth. That's what he's looking for. That's what his eyes are searching for is somebody that has faith. He said, I want to know when I find faith, when I come ready to heal, when I find faith, when I come ready to pour out my spirit, when I find faith, when I come ready with my bundle of blessings, when I find faith. Is there somebody that's receptive? Is there somebody that's open to it? Is there somebody that does desire it is a someone that says God look over here I've got faith to meet what you want to do in my life he's looking for faith he's not looking for needs needs are everywhere he's not looking for sickness sickness is everywhere he's not looking for somebody that's hurting he can find that He's not looking for pain. That's not something that's obscure. He's not looking for burdens. They're everywhere. He's not looking for cares or problems, but he's looking for faith. Faith is the only thing that has the power to catapult you out of your problem. I I used to watch those boys when I was in high school out there practicing while we were having physical education. I never seen the use in all of that physical education. That seemed like a that seemed like a highbrow word for a whole lot of exercise. Physical education. But anyway, PE. I'd watch those fellows out there practicing and carrying that long pole. They stick it in a certain place that they build up some speed. And their body's momentum. They're running, and when they stick that pole in the ground, it catapults them. They call it pole vaulting. Some of them can reach up 15, 16, 17, 20 feet, I guess, in the air. It's amazing to think about. You could take a pole, and a little old guy, five, six, seven in height, can run, and he could leap over that wall on the other side. Amen. How one time they, there was some construction workers out here that wanted to wanted to look at our roof and they brought a, a ladder over here and I thought I was going to be a big man and get up there and inspect it myself, make sure they was doing their job and, and I got about halfway up the side there 
and the wind was blowing. And they said, come on up. They were already up there. I said, you know what? I'm going to trust you all to do a good job because I, I love my life more than that. Amen. I got up there right at the, at the top, and I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't make myself swing my leg over onto that roof. It seemed like it was slanted, and, and I just I didn't know if I could get sure footing. And, and uh, you know what? I knew you all needed a pastor, and so I just said, you know, I'm going to let them guys do it. That, that obstacle is there. They can catapult right over it. I'm going to tell you, faith has the ability to bring you to a place that you can leap over things and get out of things that was impossible before. If a man has faith, you, you may not have money sometimes. You may not have the skill. You may not have the ability. You may not have others to help you. But you, you could be broke, busted, disgusted, down to nothing. And if you got faith, you got all you need. Come on, that's why you better keep your faith. You better not let the devil trick you out of it. You better not let the devil rob you of it. You better not let, let the devil steal your faith. You better hold on to your faith. Fight for your faith. Do whatever you have to do to keep your faith. Because if you can keep your faith, you can make it. Praise God. You know what I'm talking about. I've, I've been out on the road. Brother Philip was talking about living and staying in a trailer while they were making transition. And uh, I said, yeah, brother, I spent 10 years in one of them things. Gets cramped sometimes. But I remember trying to pull it down the road with an old wore-out truck. And you can call it crazy if you want to. But on the side of the road, that thing overheated and cutting up and acting crazy. And you know I've got all these mechanical skills. I said, God, you know where I'm limited, but I know what you call me to do. And it's certainly not to be a mechanic, not right now. Not in the Mojave Desert where it's 100 degrees. I'm laying my hands on this thing. You can say that's crazy, preacher. I don't believe God. Well, he did it for me. He did it for me. I finally sell, sold that old truck to a friend of mine. I shouldn't have sold it to anybody I knew. Finally sold it to somebody and, and, well, I finally was able to unload it. It's the truth of the matter. And I, and I got him to buy it. He said, my God, son. He said, I've put parts on that thing. He said, I've been working on that thing ever since I've had it. And he said, I don't know if a truck could get less mileage to the gallon than that vehicle. But you know what? God held it together as long as his man needed it. Because faith, it doesn't matter how minor it is to somebody else. That, you know, people was driving by me on Interstate 40, flying by me. They didn't have a care in the world. I've seen people driving by in Mercedes. I've seen people driving by in BMW. I've seen people driving by in air conditioning. I've seen people driving by in big old nice dually trucks. And here I was sitting on the side of the road. And it wasn't a big deal to them, but it was a big deal to me. Because I didn't have anything left. I didn't have any money. All I had was faith. But you know what? Faith is all you need. I said faith is all you And faith got me from that day to this. 
Faith got me from 1993 and it got me to right now in 2014. And guess what? Now I'm riding in air conditioning. Right now, amen, I don't have to worry about it breaking down. And if it does, I can take and get it fixed. But faith is what got me here. I had to start somewhere. You need to start where you are and have faith. God's eyes are running to and fro. God is looking for someone he can bless. He can anoint. And it will never happen for you as long as you mimic the multitude and the crowd. So I want to preach a little three-point message tonight, and I'm going to let you go. But we need to respond to the Holy Ghost tonight. Number one, you must lose your fear of standing out from the crowd. Somebody said, well, pastor, amen. I just don't want to be different. Well, I do. I don't want to be like everyone I see in this world. I don't want to be sick. I may have to be sick at times, but I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be broke. I've been there before. It's no fun. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be unforgiving. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be unhappy. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be like a lot of folks in this world. And as long as I hide myself among the crowd, I can never find God's favor. Someone says, well, and the Bible said there's a danger in this to compare yourself to another. He said in doing so, you're not wise Amen. We need the wisdom of God that just because we're doing what the rest of everybody else is doing. Somebody said, well, I'm praying as much as they're praying. Well, is that all you want is what they've got? Is that the kind of marriage you want? Is that the kind of life you want? Is that the kind of blessing you want? Is that the kind of anointing that you want? Is that the level that you want to get to? Amen. I come against this old spirit in this world today. That is, just get by. I hate that filthy spirit. Amen. It's not just a spiritual thing, but it happens to people in this. You know, if I can just get enough to get by. That limits people. I can't imagine living like that. I can't imagine that kind of mentality. If I could just get a job that'll get me by, what kind of deal's that? You ought to have bigger dreams than that. You ought to have a bigger vision than that. If I could just feed my little family, and if I could just make it, if I could just scrape by, if I could just get by by the skin of my teeth, I'm going to tell you that'll bleed over into your spiritual existence too. Some of you need to expand your thinking a little bit because God wants to bless you a whole lot more than that. Well, I'm just going to stretch out on a limb. God could make business owners out of some people in this place if you just expand your thinking a little bit. God could open some doors financially for some folks in this house. Amen. If you don't just have a punch the clock mentality, but stand up and reach your full talent and your full ability, God will bless you. I'm not, and I'm not preaching about prosperity doctrine. I'm preaching about being a child of God because I believe God wants to bless his people, don't you? Amen. Well, uh, 
I, I just I, I worship as much as the rest of the church. I, I'm as faithful as much as the rest of the church. I give as much as anybody else does. Amen. Is that what you want? Is what everybody else has got? Is that your standard? Is that your role model? Is that your gold? Or is it just just enough to get this ahead of them? Amen. We're not competing, but we need to desire everything we can pull out of heaven. Everything that God asks for us on this side of glory. I believe that every resource, every blessing, we ought to obtain it because what is that going to do? It's going to further the kingdom of God. I said it's going to further the work of God. It's going to further what God is endeavoring to do in this church, in this city, the kingdom of God in this area. As we advance, the kingdom of God advances because we're his children. Come on, does anybody believe that tonight? So if God's going to promote his kingdom, he's going to promote you. We often pray, God, I wish you'd send somebody from the outside that, 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 you know, I've heard pastors say, well, I wish God'd send me 10 millionaires. Well, I do too. But why couldn't he make some out of the people that's there? Because he wants to bless. I said he wants to favor. Amen. Some of you need to realize I'm the head, not the tail. I, I, I don't have to take a back seat. I can be blessed. I can become. I can reach. I can obtain. I can receive. Because I'm God's child. You never hear of, you never hear of a thousand people striking gold. It's usually one old lonely prospector out there digging around. Amen. Won't give up. Got gold in his eyes. Amen. Just gonna keep on. Cold, hot, weary, worn, thirsty, hungry. Keeps on. Consistency. Paying off. Heard a story about an old prospector that passed away at an old cabin out in the hill country. And the old prospector, he had been a prospector for many years. His family pretty much deserted him because they said he ain't ever going to have anything. He's out there digging all the time. And uh, so they pretty much deserted him. And finally word came to them he had passed away. So they came and came up on the old cabin. and His friend that had been there. And shared many good times with him, was standing outside in the yard when they pulled up. And they looked at that old shack and they curled their nose up. And, uh, and they told him, said, well, we're going to go ahead and bury daddy. And said, anything here? He said, you can have it. It's yours. He said, anything? He said, sure. He said, you go ahead and take care of it. We don't want anything here. And so when he watched... Their taillights go off down the side of that hill. Smile cracked across his face. And he ran into the house and he pulled back a rug on the floor. Reached down and pulled up a trap door. And there was a big old bag of gold that was hid underneath the floor. And the last thing that he said as they were pulling off was, he said they should have got to know him better. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. If we can get close to God, if we can draw nearer to him, 
There's riches. There's blessings. There's things that God wants to do. I know some of you are uncomfortable with this because it's challenging your thinking tonight. But I'm telling you, God wants to advance his kingdom. God wants to take you somewhere. Eagles don't fly in flocks, folks. But if you're going to see great things and if you want great things, you're going to go to great heights, you must stand out. You see, Jesus presented himself to the whole multitude. But it was a response of one man among the multitude that made the difference. And he was the one that was able to pack his bags up and leave that place where he had been 38 years. That's right. But only one, only one among the multitude responded in the appropriate way. Point number two is don't be trapped in tradition. Don't be trapped. You know, tradition is a very powerful, powerful, powerful thing in the lives of people. That's right. The Bible said in verse four, for an angel, he's explaining to him, he said, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever that it was first in the troubling of the water that stepped in was made whole in whatsoever disease, of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there with an infirmity 38 years, 38 years when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there. Now a long time in this case, he said to him, Wilt thou be made whole? And this man nearly missed it. Because he answered and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. You understand. We can tell you're a newcomer. You don't know how things work around here. We got a certain time that we get miracles around here. We got a certain time that God blesses around here. We got a certain season that God moves around here. You can't have revival outside of this time. You can't have a blessing outside of this time. You can't get a healing outside of this time. You cannot see God work outside of this particular time. We've got a tradition of how things happen around here. This is the way it's been happening for 38 years, sir. And I just haven't been fortunate enough to get a little help to get in the water soon enough. But there is a set way that things happen. Amen. Tradition can be a very binding thing. I, I knew a pastor one time that went to a city and he started a church. And right across the road from the first little building that they rented was a, was a house there that uh, a man uh, owned and lived in. And he was very uh, meticulous in how he kept the house up and done the yard and planted the, the flower garden and had a vegetable garden out back and all the rows were straight. Everything was perfect. Matter of fact, he was the best neighbor that a church could have because he kept everything up real good. And, and so the pastor introduced himself, made friends with the man. The man would watch out for the church. He would uh, notify him if there was any unwelcome people around the church that were maybe vandalizing or stealing something from the church. And and so they, there was a good relationship there. And the pastor went over and he asked him one time, he said, he said, why don't you come to church? The guy kind of put him off. And, and then he came back another week or two and he asked him, he said, come on, man, we're having special services tonight. And I noticed that, you know, you, you don't go to church on Sunday evening. So why don't you come to church tonight? And the man just flat told him, he said, you know what? I ain't never come to your church. He said, I love you. 
I appreciate you guys are good neighbors. I don't have anything against you. But you've got to understand, my mama was a Catholic. My daddy was a Catholic. Their parents, my grandparents were Catholic. My grandparents were. We're talking about several generations here. And this is just the way it is. And this is what I'm always going to be. Here was a man that lived 25 feet away from the church. And tradition trapped him and bound him from receiving the promise of God and getting what he could have possessed so easily. How many folks are so close? How many folks are so near to what God wants to do and how God wants to bless them? Amen. But they allow tradition to hinder them and bind them and keep them from receiving. 38 years as I have already stated, is a very long time. Amen. With the same problem, trapped in the same situation. I once heard about a man that had fought so hard against the things of God. His family came into the church. His wife was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. His kids followed suit. They got the Holy Ghost. They were raised up in the church. Their families, they married in the church. They had their families in the church. And they were all baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And now he had grandkids that were baptized in the name of the Lord and filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and uh, had quite a number of his family was all going to church. And, and still he, he just was the stick in the mud. He was fighting against it, resisting it. Finally God began to move on him. How I many knows you can't ever give up? God began to stir his heart. And he came to the house of God. Now he's 60 or better years of age, he comes to the house of God and God moves on him in that church service. He comes to the altar, repents, and is baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. God done a glorious thing for this man. God showed mercy to this man and God saved him. That evening he was walking out of church and while he walked by the door going out of the church, the preacher knows he just kicked the door. And the uh, preacher said, oh, Lord, this got the Holy Ghost. He said, maybe somebody offended him. Maybe, maybe something happened. Maybe someone, he said, hey, hey, he said, everything all right? What ought to happen? He said, no. He said, I'm not mad at nobody. He said, I'm mad at myself. He said, because I let the devil cheat me out of 60 years. I let the devil keep me away 60 years. I let tradition bind me for 60 years ago. Amen. I could have I yielded to God when my family got in the church. I could have came to God when they got the Holy Ghost. I could have been baptized many years ago, decades ago. I could have came to the church. I could have lived for God. But for all these many years, I've been cheated. I'm going to tell you, tradition will cheat you. Tradition will bind you. Tradition will hinder you. You need to open up your heart and say, God, I want you to do in me whatever you desire to do in me. Come on. God sometimes asks us to do things that we, we maybe haven't done it that way before. I'm thinking of that man in Mark chapter 2 that uh, the Bible said there were so many people in the house that they couldn't even get in. And there were so much of them that they were about the door looking in. So there was no way to go through the normal entrance. And these fellows could have really been justified in saying, you know what, bud, this is not your day. I mean, you know, we know you're sick. And we know you're about to die. We know you had this palsy for a long time. But we've we done our best. We brought you to church. But uh, we just can't get in the presence of the Lord. 
It just ain't happening tonight. You ever, ever been in one of those kind of services? We just felt like, man, everything kind of bound up. Everything feels a little bit restricting. You just, you know, if you're not careful, you can acquiesce and say, you know what, we'll just wait until another church service. We, we generally have good church around here. Percentages is we're going to have another good service, so we'll just wait until another time. But when you've got a desperate situation, you can't wait till another time. So they said, well, we can't get through the door or the window. We'll get on the roof. And they start ripping up somebody's roof, and they start letting him down. You know what those Pharisees said? They said the Sadducees said, we have never saw it on this fashion. In other words, we ain't ever had church like this. We ain't ever seen anything like this. They had never seen anybody get into the presence of the Lord that way, but they'd never seen a miracle like that either. Praise the Lord. So sometimes you can't get through the door. You can't go the normal route. You can't just do the same old routine. You can't just go with the same old tradition. Sometimes you got to bust out and say, you know what? We're going to do something different. We're going to do something beyond the norm. We're going to step out in faith. On his faith that causes people to break the monotony of the multitude and say, we'll try another route here. We'll do it another way. Amen. We'll worship if need be a different way. We'll respond to God and pray a little bit more fervently. We, we may even stay a little longer. I went over like high-heeled tennis shoes. We may stay a little longer. Amen. But whatever it takes, we're going to break through. Amen. We may fast. It's easy to proclaim them three and four day fast after you come out for Thanksgiving, isn't it? But about a day and a half into it, praise God. Woo! You got my attention now, God. Oh, if you need to speak to me, if you want to go ahead and cut this thing short, here I am, Lord Jesus, here I am. I'm available to you. I'm listening, God. I'll be somewhere listening. Amen. When you call my name, here I am, Lord, because, uh, amen, there's something about breaking the mold of the flesh and of the multitude and saying, God, I want you to do something in my life. I need you to do a work in me. I don't want to just be caught up in the norm, but I'm willing to break out of it because I want to be blessed. If you want to be that one in the multitude, why don't you throw up your hands right now and say, God, do it for us. Do it for us. Do it for us. Amen. And then finally, if you want to be that one in the multitude, don't let your past determine your future. This man said, I failed for 38 years to get there. I failed for 38 years every time that season came, every time that angel visited. I failed to get my miracle. I failed to get in the water. I failed to be healed. I failed to be able to go home. Failed for 38 years. I don't care how long you failed. This is a new day. The Hebrew writer said it this way. He said, now faith. Everybody say, now faith. Come on, say it like you mean. Now faith. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
Oh, by faith, the elders received a good report. Amen. Now faith, not yesterday faith, not futuristic faith. You know, some people, they say, well, I maybe have a better day down in the future to believe God. And so they have futuristic faith. They're always looking. They're always dreaming. They're always thinking about something way down the line when God's going to bless them. And then there's some people that are always looking back in their mind in faith, always having faith. That is what I call faith for things in the past. But what we need is some now faith. We need some present faith. We need some people that believes God is able to do it at this moment. God is able to give me a miracle right now. Come on, do you believe that? I said, do you believe that tonight? you believe God is able to give it to you right now? Now, faith. Doesn't matter how many times I've tried and missed. Started and couldn't get the deal finished. I can start all over again tonight. This is new life, new anointing, new strength, new power. Proverbs said that a just man a just man, that's, that's a good person, that's a righteous man, falleth seven times. And it doesn't end like that. Somebody gets back up. He just keeps, you can't, just as soon as the devil feels like he's squished, every bit of sapped, every bit of faith out of you, just got you curled up in the dust of defeat. He's got you down where you feel like I can't get up again. He's got his foot on the top of you. Amen. A just man some way wiggles his way out and said, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to worship another day. I'm going to pray another day. I'm going to trust God. Oh, somebody hear me preach tonight. I'm going to trust God another time. There's been times when I felt down on my back spiritually. I felt like I couldn't make it. Amen. But I said, you know what? When Sunday rolls around, I'm going to walk into that pulpit. I'm going to preach like a die man to dying souls amen I'm going to give it everything I got I'm going to stand up again I'm going to preach again I'm going to believe again I'm going to pray again I'm going to worship again I tell you as Elisha told his servant go again look for a cloud because it's coming stand with me tonight and raise your hands to him and give him praise Can't let your past define you. you. You can't let a few challenges along the way get you to quit. You can't allow a few setbacks to cause you to sit down and give up. Come on, everything that the devil throws at me to stumble on, I can use it as a stepping stone. And just keep climbing up higher. I was driving outside of L.A. There's a, there's the, uh, most of you know about the grapevine. goes up from there. As you're going up the grapevine, you'll notice there's a stream of water over here to one side. Kind of an aqueduct type thing. I don't know if it's true. I haven't really researched it. But there's places there notched in that. And somebody told me one time, and they may have been dreaming, I don't know. They said, you know why that's there? I said, why? It's so that those fish that swim upstream can get to where they need to go. 
that stops the flow of water enough so that they can make that journey up that incline up to the point of origin, lay their eggs, whatever they need to do. It has hit me tonight. There's sometimes what seems to be opposition is actually propelling us where we need to go. He said, think it not strange. When those fiery trials come, he said, because that's what's being used to work some things on the inside of you so that you can receive what you need to receive. Amen. Praise God. Abraham, you're going to have to walk through some things. But one of these days, I am going to give you, I'm going to give you a nation from your loins that is numbered with the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. Abraham, you let Lot go his way. You let him take the route of the multitude and the crowd. You take that walk of faith. You be that one that steps out. And from one person, I'm going to raise up a nation. And in, in just a few hundred years, just a few hundred years down the line, millions of them is going to walk out of Egyptian bondage. And the Bible tells me that while they were in that bondage, the more Pharaoh tried to stamp them out, the more he tried to, he tried to stop their growth. He's tried to, he tried to do everything he could to inhibit them. The Bible said they grew stronger and they multiplied. I'm going to tell you, when you've got the favor of God upon you, it doesn't matter what opposes you. It doesn't matter what is against you. It doesn't matter who speaks against you. Matter of fact, I wouldn't want to speak against what God has favored. Amen. I'd want to get on the same side of it because that's what God is blessing. That's what God is into. Reminded of Jabez. Jabez is one of those monotonous names when you go through the you go through those genealogies, his name doesn't stand out. His name is in there between men like Cause and Anub. His name, Jabez, is right there in with him. But when it gets to Jabez, he said, God, enlarge my borders. Increase me. I don't want to just be Norm. I don't want to just be a part of the multitude. But I want to be somebody that stands out for you. Enlarge my coast. Increase me, God. Amen. I wonder if there's somebody who wants to pray that prayer of Jabez here tonight.